Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. The Borg are an amalgam of cybernetically enhanced humanoid drones of multiple species. Organized as an interconnected collective with a hive mind inhabiting a vast region of space. They operate towards one single-minded purpose. To add the biological and technological distinctiveness of other species to their own in the pursuit of perfection. They are the adversary of autonomy. The definition of slavery. They are the juggernauts of an infinite number of quadrants and parallel dimensions, including the mirror universe. The mirror universe has never been so treacherous. Hello and welcome to The Ready Room, the Trexan Sci-Fi Microcast. I'm Jen, I play Commander Savril and Lieutenant Ryla Drett. And I'm Rick, and I play Counselor Margon and Jadan. And other various things. And evil Margon. Evil Dr. Margon. <laughs> well, this week, Kenny is playing Hooky. Yeah, but he's really involved in this really cool yeah. thing called the Guild. If y'all haven't heard, uh, and I said y'all, yes, and it was accidental. I don't mind. Um, if you go to the Guild, I think, dot com. Is I that the so. web address? And uh, you'll see exactly what it is um, that he's working on. It's really pretty funny if you're into uh, any type of gaming. You don't even have to know anything about World of Warcraft to find it humorous. But it is not for kids, probably. Not for kids. Yeah, there's a, few, there's a few things in it that's not for kids. But, I mean, I even enjoy I mean, some of the banter they have. It's just, mm-hmm. just a, And the comedic timing. Uh, Felicia Day is just wonderful as an actress. My goodness, she's great. And... Uh, a lot of the cast is very, very good. And now, from what I understand, by the time this podcast is aired, Kenny will have made his debut yeah. as a homeless man on uh, on one of the shows. Yes. I can't wait to see it. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> It'll be great. Kenny, acting man. Now he's added to his, his uh, what do you call it, resume. He uh-huh. not only produces things and does post-editing and takes care of crews of people doing all sorts of fun things for the entertainment industry, but now he's an actor himself. Cool. <laughs> That's where Kenny is, and we miss you, Kenny. Yes, we do. And we'll try to carry on without you, but we can't promise that it will be organized or <laughs> prompt or... <laughs> yeah, Just, it's true. It will probably be very disjointed and filled with laughter. I'm double-jointed. Does that count? Yes. Okay, so you ready? All right. Everybody listen to this. This is my knuckles. <laughs> Here we go. Shh. Oh, yes. oh, my gosh. My nose is broken, too. You want to hear my nose? Ready? <laughs> no. ready? My no. nose will be, be real quiet. Yeah, that's my nose right there. You've got a pin or something, right? You're just clicking. No, ask my wife. She, if I get nervous, I crack my nose. It's broken. <laughs> How did you and break your nose? I don't know. I could come up with a really great story, though. 
I don't know. When I was a kid, something happened and the cartilage on my nose is broken. And you can't tell. I mean, I don't look like some guy that plays Scrooge or anything. Like, <laughs> come here, little kid. <laughs> what, is that a wart on his nose? No, it's not. But uh, no, anyway, my nose looks just fine. It's big, but it, it looks just fine. But it, I'm big. It, it's, yeah, it is. It's a Roman nose. My grandma said that I have a Roman nose. It roams all over my face. <laughs> But anyway, if you push it just a certain way, it makes this loud cracking noise, which is much louder, I might say, inside of me. Because, you know, when you're eating, like, crunchy cereal, how loud it sounds? Yeah. Yeah, you can hear a little bit on the outside. Like, if Dave is listening to you eat cereal, he can hear a little bit of that. But let me tell you, on the inside, when I crack my nose, it's like my whole world goes, snap! (laughs) And so, I don't know. There's just something about it. I don't know if I could deal with that. I only have a few pet peeves, and... (laughs) People popping their knuckles is one of them. Yeah, yeah well, you, okay. Well, see, and that's the beauty of living in Texas and me living in Washington. You had no idea that I had those quirks. And now you're probably reconsidering a friendship with me if you live closer. <laughs> and that's all right. I could, I could probably restrain for a couple hours of popping my nose on my knuckles. Over Skype. Yeah. yeah. So if you hear the snapping noise, it's not like me hitting the microphone. It's me popping my nose. Don't do it, though. <laughs> Too much information, isn't it? Too much. T M I. Moving right along. Yes. During our break, we had a lot of um, posts going on. A lot. A lot. Lots and lots. And we are only going to read half of them because another, probably about the same number, wouldn't you say? Got yes. posted over the last few days. That this is like all of a sudden this creative burst of energy came upon the RPG, and we are like rightaholics. Well, you know what happened? Most of these posts that were posted recently were done um, over a few weeks, and oh, so, so they've there was been a lot of collaboration. Uh-huh. They've been waiting ahead. in the queue, waiting to be posted. So that's well, what that's happened. Good. Yeah, well, there's a lot going on, and um, Act Two is um, now finished, and we've transitioned into Act Three. But yes. um, we won't be reading those until next week. Okay. The last post of Act 2 is going to be read this week. Okay. So I didn't know. I was going to ask you which one was the last post. Mm-hmm. It's the one uh, where Savril was shot. And they, beam, right. they beamed off Tiberius. Spoiler so. alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, if we're reading them this week, people are going to know. Yeah, they'll already know by the time they're hearing. Yeah, I just ruined it, didn't I? No, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> we're missing know, our captain. Kenny, where are you? Keep us organized. We are the Borg. Life as you know it is over. You have entered our RPG space. You will adapt to the story so far. Our first post today is a post written by Hawkeye Meds and read by Meds. The door of the turbo lift drifted open and Lorna's adrenaline took the better of her and she raced out screaming. Behind her, the turbo lift door slammed shut catching one member of her team's arm. She turned to see the arm drift up the outside of the turbo lift door and it stuck for a moment at the top. A scream bellowed out and then the arm shredded and became disembodied from the owner. She backed away as the lost limb slipped down the smooth metal and splattered on the floor. Her stomach convulsed and she bent over to be sick. You'd better clean that up, young lady. Lorna spun round, her eyes bulged with fright as the man came out of the shadows. Our next post was written by Wraith1701 and read by Billy Bob. The odd-shaped, thaleron-armed vessel arrowed towards the Leetborg ship. On the bridge, the air was a thick soup of apprehension and anticipation. 
as Arya's ship grew larger in the forward viewscreen. Captain Voss gripped his armrests. The red glow of the bridge lights pulsed on and off around him, in sync with the heart-like throbbing of the ship's Thaleron generator. Keep your eyes open, my comrades, he yelled. We are but moments away from the glory of Stovakor! As the kamikaze vessel sped towards the Borg ship, an insistent hammering echoed from the sealed bridge door. Voss glanced back at the door, which vibrated with each thundering blow. As he looked on in disbelief, a series of bulges appeared in the thick slab of steel, and sparks sputtered from the control panel beside it. Guards! Voss barked. He gestured towards the buckling bridge door. Explain this! A warrior sprung towards the door as a booming blow shook it once more. As he neared the portal, there was a rending shriek of tortured steel. The door popped free of its brace and toppled inward. The warrior tried to dodge the falling weight, but to no avail. The door crashed down, pinning his legs to the grated deck. The smoke from the door's ruined control circuits gradually dispersed. The light from the corridor beyond streamed into the darkened bridge. Standing in the doorway was the silhouette of a stoop-shouldered, shaggy-haired Terran. Chest heaving from exertion, Catan strode into the bridge. One foot came down hard on the fallen door, eliciting a decidedly unwarrior-like squeal from the guard trapped beneath. Catan's gaze flitted to the scene playing out on the main viewscreen, a faint, unnatural green glow shining from his eyes. You will alter your course now, Captain, or I will alter it for you. Around the bridge, several disruptors were smoothly unholstered and leveled at the ragged Terran. They fired almost in unison, filling the bridge with a nova-bright glare. Our next post is written by Wraith1701 and read by myself, Moyer777. On the bridge of the Negvar, all eyes were glued to the main view screen. Admiral Karop stood next to Captain Kalara's chair, his hand unconsciously massaging her shoulder as they watched the scene unfold. On the screen, Voss's ship seemed to pick up speed as it headed towards the lead Borg vessel. Behind the two warships, the fertile blue and white orb of the planet Taras spun lazily, dominating the lower half of the viewscreen. The unspoiled world's tranquil beauty starkly contrasted the scene of destruction that seemed all but imminent. Karak grimaced. While he welcomed the destruction of the Borg, he feared the aftermath of the Thaleron detonation. The Borg ship didn't come close to having enough mass to c- contain the Thaleron generator's chain reaction. Without a readily available reaction mass, the energy would race hungrily outward, obliterating the assembled Alliance and Terran ships alike. There was only one hope of escaping annihilation. He would have to gamble on taking out Voss's ship before the generator reached critical mass. Lock disruptors and put the crazy Petak down, Karak yelled, spittle flying. A Cardassian officer looked up from the adjacent workstation. Excuse me, sir. The transporter room reports that Regent Worf has arrived from the Terran ship. He's on his way to the bridge. Excellent, Karak said. In a moment of private guilt, he glanced at his arid hand and hastily removed it from Kalara's shoulder. Less than a heartbeat later, the bridge doorway scraped open, revealing the towering, scowling visage of the regent. As Worf walked in, Karak's face flushed. He took two steps away from Kalara's chair. An inscrutable expression crossed Worf's face as he paused to regard the pair. He then sighed and strode confidently to the center of the bridge. Kalara sprang from her chair and stood at attention, her fist crossing her chest to strike her armor in salute. Your presence honors us, Regent! 
She gestured towards the command seat, an eyebrow arched inquisitively. A grim smile split Worf's face. Please take your seat, Captain. Worf's gaze briefly stabbed Karak before refocusing on Kalara. I wouldn't want to deprive my son's future mate of her moment of glory and honor. After all, without honor, we are nothing more than animals. Isn't that right, Admiral Karak? Karak's blush deepened. Yes, Regent, he replied. Karak gestured towards the viewscreen. We're about to... Yes, I know, Worf interrupted. I've been monitoring the situation, and it appears to be spinning out of control. Open a channel to the Captain Voss's ship. Worf turned a fierce glay at Karak. Now! The next post was written by Wraith1701 and read by Billy Bob. At the urging of the Regent, the Negvar picked up speed, steadily closing the distance between itself and Captain Voss's ship. A communications officer worked feverishly at his console, trying to hail the kamikaze vessel. His efforts were finally rewarded, and the Negvar's viewscreen switched to an image of Voss's bridge. It was immediately evident that something was wrong. Agitated, excited shouts filled the bridge of Voss's ship, and the air appeared to be suffused with smoke. Voss stood in an awkward angle, cradling an evidently broken arm. Several of his officers stood in the huddle, pointing disruptors down at a smoking, charred shape at the captain's feet. Voss glanced up from the body into the viewscreen, and his jaw dropped as he did a double-take. Regent Worf! We feared you were killed by the Terrans! Worf chuckled mirthlessly. Killed? Come now, Captain. Do you truly have such a low opinion of me? Worf glanced from Voss's damaged arm to the smoldering body at his feet. It looks like you've been busy. Voss grinned his best ingratiating smile. Yes, sir. This crazy Terran Patak assaulted me and tried to commandeer the ship. He gave the smoking body an absent-minded kick. He must be doped up on stimulants. The Hadas soaked up at least twenty disruptor blasts before he finally stayed down. Worf gave an incredulous, non-committal chuckle. Yes, of course he did. The Regent's expression turned suddenly stern. But enough of your tales of adventure. You are to deactivate the Thaleron generator immediately and move your vessel to the rear of the fleet. Voss's face turned ashen. I, I'm afraid that won't be possible, my lord. The generator has gone beyond the stopping point. Any attempt to shut it down now will result in a premature detonation. The regent paused a beat, and then turned and spat on the deck in disgust. You reckless idiot! Worf stormed up to the viewscreen, and the televised image of Voss shrunk back as though he feared the regent would step through the screen to throttle him. Worf sneered at the cowardly flinch. I almost wish the Terran had succeeded in taking over your ship. He pointed at Voss, his finger trembling with rage. You are relieved of command! Stunned, Voss sunk back into his command chair, his dreams of glory vanishing before his eyes. He glanced at the charred, smoking body at his feet. I almost envy you, human, he muttered. In death, at least you have escaped the threat of dishonor. As if on cue, the dead man's eyes suddenly sprung open, freezing Voss's blood. The slave's cracked lips split open to emit a harsh, strained whisper. Not dead yet. Voss sprung from his chair, his eyes widening in disbelief. No, it's impossible! The captain tried to back away, but was stopped by a charred, blackened hand grasping his leg. With mounting strength, the slave clawed his way up to the captain's knife sheath. Frozen by a mixture of horror and denial, Voss could only look on as the slave pulled his dagger free. You will not stop the cooperative! Wisps of smoke still rising from his cracked and bleeding skin 
Catan stood and drew back his arm, holding the shining blade poised above him. Too late, Voss snapped back to his senses and resumed his frantic struggle to break free. With terrible finality, Catan's hand swung down. The gleaming, razor-keen blade slipped effortlessly into Voss's eye, splitting the fragile orb and burying itself deep into the Klingon's fevered brain. As he fell lifeless to the deck, Voss's last breath escaped with a rattle, taking with it the dishonored Klingon's hopes and dreams of glory. Catan yanked the ichor-covered blade free. Like a reanimated corpse, he shuffled painfully towards the pond station, his cracked feet leaving bloody footprints on the cold, hard deck. His arm snapped forward once more, sending the blade spinning through the air with an ominous whistle. The knife found a new home in the neck of the con officer, who fell back to the deck, frantically trying to stop the escape of his life's blood. Catan leaned over the dying Klingon and punched a series of commands into the pilot station. As he made his final entry, he felt a dull impact in the center of his back, followed by a cold, razor-sharp flare of pain in the center of his chest. He reached behind himself to feel the unforgiving steel of a bat knife protruding from his back. With its final beat, his heart ripped in two, and the darkness greedily stole his sight. Catan slumped wearily to the deck, satisfied that he had done all he could to protect the Collective. But as he felt himself being swallowed by the void, all thoughts of the Collective were washed away by an even grander vision. His sightless eyes widened, and a smile of wonder lit the dying slave's face as he saw. The next post was written by Hawkeye Meds and myself, Moyer777, and read by Meds. Her eyes darted for somewhere to escape, but the figure slowly crept forward. She ran to the turbo lift and skidded on the blood crashing into the solid door, her nose cracked on impact. Now you have only gone and spread all the mess around. She scrabbled in the blood, trying to get to her feet, and banged on the turbo lift door. Help me! Please help me! The hunched figure slowly edged out of the darkness. The face, burned and septic, loomed towards the petrified girl. I've been watching you, and now I'm going to demonstrate how to kill someone properly. Lorna pressed herself tight against the door and screamed, Margon, no! No one can hear you, so shut up. Accept your fate, you are mine. Lorna ducked below Margon's swipe and ran behind him. A sound of phaser fire could be heard from above. Oh, sounds like you may have missed the party, little girl. I'd like to have tested some of my party tricks on you. We could have had so much fun together, you and I. His hand shook with anticipation as the blade gleamed. He turned round and began to laugh at Lorna. He loved her fear. Fear was something that fascinated Margon. He had struggled to overcome it and eventually figured out how to be numb. She looked around for something to use as Margon lifted his scalpel up to his cheek. Lorna backed away and then remembered the metal section spanner in her back pocket. She lowered her hand and grabbed the handle. Screaming, she ran at the disfigured doctor, who in turn ran at her. The two collided, as with one hand Lorna grabbed the doctor's scalpeled fist and tried to hold it back. With the other, she thrust the spanner at his abdomen. A horrible squishing sound accompanied a rush of thick blue blood from Margot. His eyes began to roll back into his head as the scalpel fell from his hand. He stepped back and shook his head to clear his thoughts. I don't feel pain, he thought. Then he realised that Lorna had pushed the spanner completely through his midsection. 
His legs lost strength, and he tumbled to the floor in the increasingly larger pool of blood. Landing face first, he turned his head towards the shocked and scared woman. We would have had so much fun together. With that, Dr. Margon lurched as blood trickled from his mouth. Then he lay motionless, his eyes wide open. The next post was written and read by the great Moyer777. Lorna stared at Margon for a brief moment. It was dim where Margon lay. The light from the portal streamed down upon the blue liquid surrounding his body, causing it to shine with a sickening reflection. A small device attached to Dr. Margon's wrist began to pulse rhythmically. The red flashing light caused light to dance on the surrounding hole plating. Surely the doctor wouldn't have planted explosives on his body, would he? I'm not waiting around to find out, she said and ran. On the bridge, an officer at the science station heard a proximity alert beep from his panel. His fingers rushed over the panel to check the alarm. And he was about to announce his findings, then he stopped himself. The alarm had quit as quickly as it had started. Just some more debris caught in the shield parameter, he thought to himself. This had been happening frequently, what with the battle that had gone on. The shields either pushed the debris away or simply vaporized upon impact. The small cloaked ship buddied up to the Tiberius and turned off its systems, except for life support and transporter room. Three sensor dampening pods materialized in a triangle around the body of Margon, and a familiar sound of the transporter echoed through the room. A slender, cloaked figure appeared and bent down next to the body. Oh, now what have you done? I leave you alone for any moment of time. You just can't handle yourself. What happened? He knew the lifeless corpse would not answer. The reality hit him, and for a moment, he caught himself feeling sadness. Stop it, he muttered. I have no time to feel. He looked down at the doctor. You taught me that. He laid his hand on the back of Margon, clicked his communication device, and said, Two to beam over. The response echoed through the chamber. Yes, Captain Brex, right away, sir. Brex shook his head. He wanted to feel. Sociopaths don't feel. They use. Like father, like son, he mused, as he dematerialized, leaving only the blue blood pooled on the floor. The next post is a joint post by Rico on Hawkeye Meds and is read by Meds. The one I watched as Margon vanished in a blue transporter glow. The bloodshell optical turned up to the ceiling and he waited to hear the outcome of the young girl's mission. Lorna looked down at the dead bodies of her fellow mutineers. They all had phaser marks across their bodies except for one, who had obviously died from loss of blood from their severed arm. She wiped the blood with her torn shirt sleeve from her hands and let it drop to the turbo-leaf floor. It landed in a puddle of the congealing blood and slowly turned dark. It took less than ten seconds for Leaf to reach the bridge, and it took less than two seconds for the door to open. Admiral Talbot spun round, his face solid and unmoved. He raised his hand quickly, and the crew behind him jumped up, their phasers unholstered and pointing to the exiting assassin. Phaser fire left the turbo lift, and it was complemented with equal fire from the bridge crew. The bridge section lit up in a beautiful orange glow, silhouetting the people as if ghosts 
in a beautiful flame. The next post was a joint post written by Jen, Star Trek Fanatic 5, and Shepard, and it's read by Jen. Reese gripped a phaser in each of his gloved hands as he strode with determination down the hall towards Dr. Peterson's quarters. A brigade of Lower Deck's crewmen marched closely behind him. They were zealous. He was calculating. As a group, no one could stop them. The deck plates rumbled as the approaching storm neared Peterson's quarters. Standing near the physician's door, armed to the tooth, were two of the Admiral's personal guards. Before the Sentinels could react, the henchman raised his weapons to chest height and fired. The individuals assigned to protect Savril fell where they stood in smoking, groaning heaps. Reese stepped over the bodyguards as he headed through the door, leaving the dying men to the ravenous mob. The door whisked open to reveal a small, dimly lit room. From where he stood in the entry, the henchman could clearly see his target, and she was currently preoccupied by a mind meld. David Reese aimed a single phaser at Savril and slowly squeezed a shot from the weapon. The room was instantly ablaze with the glow of a crimson energy beam. The blast found its mark, and the Vulcan crumpled to the floor. No! Peters bellowed as he pushed Quinn aside just in time for a second pulse to burn its way through the man's chest. The force of the blast threw the mercenary against the wall with a thwack. Nathan flicked a shocked expression to his lifeless friend. The wound Peters suffered was devastatingly large. It was painfully obvious that he had lost his friend. Again. The agony of that realization poured over him suddenly, causing him to feel lightheaded. He looked up at the murderer that fired the fatal shot. His stunned gaze met only a hard glare. Nathan shifted his gray-green eyes to the Vulcan lying at his feet. She was still breathing, but only just. Without a moment's hesitation, Quinn knelt and took Savril into his arms. The phaser trained on the captain was jabbed forward as Reese accented his threat. I don't know who you are, but your associations with these traitors has condemned you. Quinn could sense the henchman's thoughts, and knew the instant Reese's brain sent the message to his finger to pull the trigger. A heart beat later. The energy beam passed through the particles of light that churned within the transporter beam. In the end, the agent that rejected her queen had unwittingly aided the cooperative. The shield modulation codes that Arya plucked from Savril's mind during their recent contact enabled the cooperative to steal Nathan Quinn from the Empire's mighty flagship and save him from certain death. Okay, so there's this taunting that goes on, and of course, Margon is a sociopath to the end. He just wants to scare Lorna to death, even though he's dying. And of course, he, you know, he says all sorts of weird, creepy things to her. And his last line is, "We would have had so much fun together." <laughs> to get, I love that. To get. <sighs> that reminds me a lot of those old, um, you know, the comedies in the '80s, like. Um... <laughs> like blazing saddles or yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. something like that. I could just see her leaning forward like, what was that? What? 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 <laughs> like in, in Muppet Treasure Island. John, Johnny, John, John. Or no. <laughs> it's like, the black spot. <laughs> We're fine. We're fine. 
Uh, but anyway, he, he doesn't get it all the way out until his eyes, he doesn't close his eyes. He stares, and basically Dr. Margon lurched as the bread, b- the bread, the bread, hey, bread. The blood trickled from his mouth, and then he lay motionless with his eyes wide open. And what happens in the next post? Because I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, well, here's the deal. I didn't really know if I wanted to kill off Margon or not, and... Because I didn't know if we were going to go back to the Mirror Universe anytime soon. And if we did, I wouldn't have anybody to write, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought, wait a minute, this is the Mirror Universe. Anything can happen. And so um, I thought to myself, well, what would happen? I thought, wouldn't it be cool if Margon, Dr. Margon had a wrist attachment or something on him, which was a sensor if he was dead or alive? And it started to go off um, when he died, when he lost his life, when his heart stopped beating. And, of course... All of a sudden, this little light starts flashing. Lorna looks down and says, oh, my gosh, he's got a bomb on him. And he's going to blow everybody up now that he's dead. Because that would be what Dr. Margon would do, yeah. you know, <laughs> die and then take everybody with him as his one last, you know, evil shot at the world. And so she gets out of there. She runs off. And uh, what it really was was a communication to um, someone. And so um, – um, the bridge, the bridge officer, you know, thinks that something is uh, trying to get through their shields, but then writes it off as debris from the battle. Uh, a, a cloaked ship buddies up to the Tiberius, and and then the little sensor dampeners come in like they do in, on the next generation and different ones where they, the three of the, you know, do a little triangle, and then you can beam things in and out and mm-hmm. stuff. Well, anyway, guy beams in, makes a few comments, and then. Uh, uh, says to to beam back this dead body and himself to the cloaked ship and 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 they say thank you or or, or I Captain Brex. So we find out that that Brex is alive in the alternate universe, and uh, uh, and then he he mutters to himself. Uh, he, he starts to feel bad because his dad is dead, uh, but then he stops himself and he chuckles and he says uh, he has no time to feel, and uh, you taught me that, and. Uh, then uh, he, uh, as they're dematerializing, going to the ship, uh, Breck sh- shakes his head and he says he want he wanted to feel, but sociopaths don't feel; they use. Uh, and like father, yeah. like son, he mused and he dematerialized, leaving only the blue blood on the floor. And that's I thought that was good. Yeah. So the the funny part is, um, if we do come back, I I have this wild, crazy twist in the whole plot of things, and uh, and I'll save it t- till we come back to the to the mirror universe. Yes. Suffice it to say, the clan of Margon is not dead yet. Well, Margon is, but uh, not everybody in his family is. Yeah, we left a lot of open-ended scenarios, allowing us to return. Um, in another few seasons to yeah. kind of tie everything up because um, the we don't know what happens with the Theleron generator. That's right. Or the, the Theleron armed vessel that's aimed now towards Taros. Yes. So, and that in the um, Arabella's universe, um, the universe that Quinn was stolen from, is mm-hmm. the planet that, that the um, away team just came back from. In, in, you know, a first contact mission, wasn't it? No, they right. were re- they were re- were recovering some scientists that went rogue, and so in the alternate universe, though, you've got to watch those rogue yeah. scientists. You mm-hmm. never know how they'll infect the culture and and totally mess up the prime directive. Yeah, but in the alter universe, it could be blown up completely. That's so right. we just don't know what is going to happen with that. And, and the well, mutiny which, moved to which, the bridge, so. Yeah, which brings me to an interesting question. Now, I've been thinking about this whole mirror universe concept. 
When we originally saw the Mirror Universe on the original series, it, the Hulkans, I believe, which I thought was kind of funny because I always thought of like Hulk Hogan down there on the planet, but he wouldn't have been alive. Well, he would have been alive, but not probably doing wrestling at that point in his career. But anyway, the Hulkans or whatever were a, like a pacifist bunch of people, and the Klingons were doing something, and they or I can't remember how it was gonna. No, no, I'm confusing it with a different episode. But anyway, suffice it to say that they were a peace-loving people that were being forced into doing something that that they didn't want to do by the empire mm-hmm. and and then in the alternate universe they were still pacifist people and so it was like wait a second so i know we've had these discussions before with rico and kenny and yeah. others about this but i thought huh i guess not everybody in the in the mirror universe is opposite of what they would be right even though that would be really fun i guess you know i guess it would be probably too complex to have everybody exactly the opposite it'd be mayhem i tell you it would, and then also that you have to consider that some choices made in the alternate universe may not be made, you know, in the regular one, and vice right. versa. And so that's some people may not exist at all that's because right. their mom and dad never met, or right. you know, whatever. So that's right. yeah, that's what's so cool about doing stories in the alternate universe or the mirror universe, as it was originally called in TOS. Yeah. So. I think That's it's cool. cool. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So, what was the last post that we ended up on? Was it... Um, um, it was the joint post that was written by me and That's Kenny right. and Dan. That's right. And we don't want to forget the... the we, there was a post in there from Rico and Hawkeye Meds. Mm-hmm. That's right. And... and um, and one I yeah mm-hmm. watched Margon vanish in a blue transporter glow, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, a- Admiral Talbot is realizing um, there there's going to be a fight on their hands now, mm-hmm. and they and they try to take the bridge. And that's when we come into uh, the joint post with um, you, Kenny, and Shepard. Yes, yeah. That the I think we a couple of weeks ago when we we did our last regular ready room recording, we um, had. The post read about um, David Reese, who was the emperor's henchman, and how he was busy riling up all of the lower decks crew members and That's trying right. to get them to start this mutiny. And we don't know what his real agenda is, but yeah. I suspect it's probably because he wants to take control of the empire himself. But I agree. Uh, he's kind of doing it. He says he's doing it, and you know. To keep the aliens from taking over the empire because he's a xenophobe. Yeah, because Savril and Talbot, even though they were going to turn the empire over to this council um, to decide who was going to be the next emperor, um, every they didn't exactly discuss that with everyone. So um, not with the crew. So they're all under the impression that Savril and Talbot had this conspiracy to kill the emperor and take over. And yeah, so David Reese kind of inflamed the crew and got them all riled up. And now they're killing every alien they come across and their objective is to take over the ship. And so in this post, they head towards, uh, Dr. Peterson's quarters, which is where Reese knows that Savril, Quinn, and um, Peters, the right. mercenary who uh, helped save Quinn from Dr. Margon's lab. That's uh, right. He uh, kills the 
the two guards that Talbot assigned to protect Savril and entered Dr. Peterson's quarters and finds Savril and uh, Quinn melding because they're in contact with Arya and the cooperative and they're right. otherwise distracted. And so Which, now, now, this is great. <clears throat> We're on a great roll here. This is great. Uh-huh. But let me ask another question about Star Trek. Why is it that guards assigned to protect main characters never do? <laughs> they're they playing still, cards or something. <laughs> they look pretty. They look pretty by the door, but they, I they don't know never if there's work. ever been a time that they've stopped people from, unless it's Worf. And then, of course, he stops them. Yes. Uh, or Tasha. You know, I don't get it. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. So, go on. Well, we had to have some red shirts. Yeah, exactly. It might as well be the guards. It wouldn't be Star Trek without red shirts. Right. So, he he storms in and he fires a shot at Savril and strikes her. And she, when she um, falls to the floor, it breaks the connection with with the uh, the cooperative. The right. right. Quinn is telepathic, and he can contact um, the cooperative, but all of the voices over there, because they are kind of like the Borg in there, you know, in the hive kind of way. He was distracted right. by all the voices, so Savril melded with him to hone his search for Arya. Right. And so that was what that was all about. So then um, Peters, who is the mercenary I just told you about earlier that was um, that Quinn knew from his universe, he dives in front of Quinn and takes a another phaser shot to the chest and he dies instantly. And that's a pretty interesting parallel because in, in the regular universe, Lieutenant Peters in, an, in like one of the early seasons did the very same exact thing. He sacrificed himself for his captain. Yes, he did. And so in the mirror universe, he just did the same thing. And, well, and you know what was interesting? I don't know why it struck me weird, but it, not in a bad way, but in a descriptive way, in a feel mm-hmm. sorry for him way, that the wound was so large. And I don't know why that, whoever wrote that, um, it, just, it evoked an emotion in me. I don't know why. But I thought, oh, I felt bad for the guy. It's like, gee whiz, here it goes again. You know, yep. he's just trying to be nice. Yeah, Tim Trekkie. He's got a big hole in it. Uh-huh. Trekkie Geek played um, Lieutenant Peters in, um, in early the, on, yeah, yeah, in in the regular universe. Um, he played that character in season one and two, and mm-hmm. we gave him an opportunity to bring that character back in the mirror universe, you know, mm-hmm. and then also rejoin um, the RPG if he wanted to. It's kind of like his test drive, right. and he decided it was it was too much work, <laughs> or he didn't have enough time, or, and that's cool because it's not for everybody. It is a lot of sure. work to keep up sure. with. So um, he and Kenny um, decided to kill him off again, and they thought that, that would be the best way to do it, I guess. So you well, know, for him sacrificing great. himself. So that was really cool. Yeah. So um, Quinn scoops Savril up in his arms because he knows that she's still alive, mm-hmm. and um, he knows that he's about to be transported off the ship by the cooperative because Arya told them prepare to be transported. So, you know, in the in the link that they had last, what, two weeks ago. Yeah. And so um, as he's staring at Reese, Reese tells him something like, um, I don't know who you are, but your associations with these traitors has condemned you. And he just he, he Quinn senses the moment that his he his brain, Reese's brain told his finger to pull the trigger and wow. sees the beam coming at him. And the beam passes through as he's beamed off the ship. So he Which narrowly cool. escapes death. It's like, yeah. Ah. 
And the right. whole reason he was they were able to be beamed, remember, Savril used to be the cooperative's agent, and her mission was to obtain the shield modulation codes. And that's so, how Arya got it out of her head. And she did obtain them, but she did, she just, she refused to go back to the cooperative, remember, right. after she killed right. the, the emperor. and She, she was, wasn't a traitor. Right. Yeah. She decided that she wasn't going to share that. But when she helped Quinn contact the cooperative and Arya, Arya plucked that information from her, and that was how and she was how able, to able to beam, them off. beam yeah, her off the ship. Very cool. So, very cool. And there you go. <laughs> and the, pl- the plot thickens. The plot thickens, and it gets very thick. It does. It gets and, thicker and, now, and thicker. Did uh, does Hawkeye do? Um, I can't remember what what post did we go up to on this? Ep- was that it? That was the last one that we okay, read. So we can't we can't talk about the next one until next week. But oh wow, it's oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. And, Let's just say Meds, you do a great crazy man. I'm yes. Just telling you right now. Yeah. <laughs> Some call him Meds. <laughs> You know who he writes? You need meds, man. He reminded me of uh, the Joker in um, the first Batman film. You know, Jack yes. Ni- Jack Nich- yeah. Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker yes. in yes. that in that post. Yes. So. Well, we'll save that for next week. Stay tuned. Same bat channel. Same bat time. <laughs> next week. For more. <laughs> Ready Room Podcast. We are the Borg. Resistance is futile. Plug into your alcove as we communicate our final thoughts. And now for something entirely different. And now for something entirely <laughs> different. Our final thoughts. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> does it, does it those mice? Chocolate mice. <laughs> How do you dip these things? That was hilarious. I... <laughs> I was drinking coffee when I read when I was listening to that, and I knew the story, but I'd never heard the recording. Uh. And I almost shot flaming hot coffee out my nose. There uh. should have been a warning right before. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That was quite a night. It was hilarious. But thank you, Feathers, for your comments, and uh, we enjoyed them. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, so we much. already said that we introduced the comments. I guess we didn't. Well, yeah. Feathers in his comments. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Playing them now. See, I told you this would not be organized. <laughs> He's going to like, how do I ca- edit this, you guys? Ah. Hi, this is Mike from London. Just want to say a quick word of thanks for the blooper reel last week. It works very well for a couple of reasons, actually. It was hilarious. And I'm not listening to it today, so I'm not going to stop giggling at you down the... Uh, down the feed, but it was very funny. Good to finally hear the whole chocolate mouse, chocolate moose, and meowler, the mouse-eating cat doctor, is just unbelievable. But equally, it serves to illustrate the amount of effort that you guys put into doing this week by week. And I'm sure the same is true for for any podcast, but uh, it shows that very well. I can't believe you ever got into reading posts live as you were trying to do the recording. There's got to be something that works an awful lot better sitting on your own in a room with a microphone somewhere. But thanks again. It was a half hour of giggling. I'm glad I didn't listen to it in the office. I'd have, I suppose I might have got half the office listening to the podcast as well. It could have been beneficial, but I didn't. I had a good giggle on the way home there. So thanks for the entertainment. Keep it up. Looking forward to whatever comes in the future. Anyway, yeah, we did we did appreciate getting some feedback and 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 we really do like getting comments from feathers, but um, 
and we encourage you to keep on sending your comments. We appreciate them. Nice to know that somebody listens and enjoys the program. But we sure would like to get comments from other people too. So email us at thereadyroompodcast at gmail.com or send in an audio file, a little MP3 or something. And I'm sure that you would get on the show. As long as you weren't being like belligerent or anything, yeah. you'd probably play whatever you send us. You know, you want to, you know. Maybe we should start a new contest called The Ready Room Podcast Got Talent. <laughs> and then every week, we three of us as judges could be like Paula, Randy, and Simon. And we could just like, you know. You could say dog. <laughs> Yo, dog. Of dog. Oh, yeah. Yo, dog. <laughs> And that, that, was abs- that was absolutely horrid. Yes. Absolutely horrid. I could not even sit here and drink <laughs> my Coca-Cola. And I would just say how great it was. That was fabulous. And Can I have your it, phone number? <laughs> in the middle of it, you would have to get up off of your computer's chair and, and do a little dance and, <laughs> <laughs> right. and go, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Sorry. But what you would that contest be for, for the best MP3 comments? I don't know. Just, you know, who? What? do your best talent act or whatever. I don't know. I'm just joking, completely joking. Don't send in your your tap dancing or anything like that, please. Oh, come on. I, at this point, I would be happy to get anything. <laughs> Big tap dancing? That would be hilarious. And now for this week on the Ready Room Podcast... <laughs> Our 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 fans of the show are now going to um, participate in tap dancing. Yes, yeah, so no, they'll be playing the ready room theme via their armpit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hi, my name's Rick. Glad to meet you. Man, your 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 hand smells like onions. The deal. Ah, oh, just. Just doing the Ready Room theme song with my arm pain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Been practicing happy birthday all day. (laughs) Hold on one second while I put the hand sanitizer on my hands. (laughs) Mm. Refreshing like mint and onion. Get a grip. Chocolate mousse. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I said chocolate mousse, when in fact it was chocolate mouse. That's okay. It's 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 all about the black. black and <laughs> <sighs> we just need, we just need to say that when we're too serious, we'll just say black and back end <laughs> and, and chocolate back mouse. Chocolate and mouse. it'll be all home for us. Okay. All right. So, uh, our final thoughts. <laughs> our do you final have any final thoughts? thoughts I have final thoughts. Um, okay. We really, 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 really want comments from people we know who are listening. Because mm-hmm. I know they're listening. I had a, a listener email the Anomaly podcast to tell me how much they enjoyed our show. And, by the way, I also listened to The Ready Room. So, that person, please email us at The Ready Room. So there's closet ready room listeners. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there are. Right. So no, we 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 love doing the show and we would do it all the time, even if there was no one 
um, sending us feedback. But it does it does help um, the writers who are writing the story know that there are people that are that are reading their posts and enjoying them or listening to the ready room and enjoying you know the the uh, you know what they've read aloud for the show. Yeah. And we don't we don't have Nielsen ratings. We don't. No. We don't have any we don't have any really way to know unless you send us feedback of, you know. I mean, I think there's some way to figure out how many people download the show, but I don't even know that cuz it's on Rico's feed, so we don't know. Nope, we have no idea. So send them in. You don't have to send your voice in. You don't have to record anything. Just write a little simple email to uh, the ready room podcast at gmail.com and just let us know you're listening. Um, also on the on the subject of final thoughts, Jen, we're now in Act Three, mm-hmm. and so that means we're back in the normal universe. Yes, or what you consider normal. We're back on the Arabella, and it might be good. Maybe you could tell us where to go to remember where we left off. Okay, quite a ways back, and it might be good for us to refresh ourselves on where we when we left where we were at because I know several and and no pun intended. Savril, but several <laughs> of the characters were, you know, either getting better from Borg wounds, mm-hmm. or um, you know, so, I I can't even remember. It's been so long since we've been back in the normal <laughs> universe that I'm gonna have to go and refresh. Maybe everybody, maybe that's a good suggestion. Everybody, head back to where we last left off, so you know where your character's at, so you can kind of pick up there and start writing mm-hmm. from there. Well, there is a post going up um, either this weekend or on Monday that should help people know exactly what's going on oh at that good moment. you're gonna mention like the main characters so we yeah, know where we are Great. exactly and Fantastic. but i will refresh everyone's memories um the last posts that we made before we switched to the mirror universe um we had a briefing and everyone was talking about how to get rid of the borg on the ship that's right are you having trouble with borg on your ship <laughs> let's show you these techniques that can get rid of them you need to make some commercials. We'll yeah, nano. Sprinkle in. <laughs> I've joined the nanoprobe resistance. <laughs> you can too. But that's not all. Act now and we'll give you this modulating modulating phaser fire. <laughs> and a machine gun. Yeah. And three bat laps. Yeah. Yeah, Ordinarily, right. they would cost you fifty dollars a piece, but if you but right call now, now, you get them nine ninety nine. Plus, a guy shouting at you on your screen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brad Bolian, and I'm here to help you. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna talk about the briefing. Yeah. We're skipping the briefing. The briefing happened. Okay. And we're fast-forwarding the, the Borger all off the ship now, and we're just dealing with the sphere. Um, we've And the fact that our crew members have been infected by the nanoprobes. They took their toys and went home, and now we got to clean yep. up the mess. We Get got the mops the... <laughs> out, Martha. We're mopping it up. We're cleaning up the mess and right. uh, repairing the weapon system, and the sphere is now guarding the rift. <clears throat> Ooh, that, so, that that statement right there is fantastic. The sphere is now guarding the rift. Yes. The rift I'm, between the mirror universe and the alternate universe. I, I mean, uh, the mirror universe and the regular universe. I hear a song coming on. <laughs> <laughs> 
seeing it, buddy. <laughs> Your spear is guarding my rift. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So anyhow, yeah, the I'll give you a little um, sneak peek of what's probably going to happen um, in well, the by next. The time this, yeah, by, by the, the time, time this is posted, it will be... already have been um, posted on the the uh, forum. But, non-spoiler alert, non-spoiler alert, you already know this, unless you haven't read. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They probably won't be reading. They'll only be waiting for the ready room to come out. So should I mention it? I'll give them a taste anyway. Arya, Quinn, and Savril beam from Arya's vessel, the cooperative vessel, that, that um, was able to successfully steal him away from the Tiberius, and they transport to the Arabella into the sick bay. Because Savril is dying and Arya refuses to heal her. Wow. Because Arya, uh, Savril rejected the cooperative and its gifts. And so, because she rejected her, Arya says, She doesn't want my help. I'm not helping her. And so Quinn says, Well, if you want my help, you're going to allow me to take her back with me. So, Mira Savril is now in the regular universe and Dr. Peterson is working to save her life. Boy, this could get complicated. Yeah, but and she's it's already complicated. With twins. She is. Wow. So she has the pre-buns in the oven, and the other buns have already been out. And yeah, but remember, Naval is missing. The sphere has Naval. The oh, I um, I yeah. Forgot. So Marin is the only one left. Um, and Marin and Naval are the twins. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Savril's family. Um, the regular Commander Savril. She has right. twins, and their names are Marin and Naval, and they're about yes. four years old in the regular yes, universe. Mm-hmm. So Mira Savril is pregnant with those same twins, and now she's in the regular universe. But wow. you don't know. Will she survive? Will the baby survive? You don't know. You don't. I know. You don't. You know, but I don't. I don't <laughs> have any idea. But you will if you read the post, because I've only given you a little bit of information. I'm just feeling better because the sphere is guarding the rift. Yes. That's, that's really making me feel better. It's there to watch the mirror universe's back. That's right. Yeah. Don't be jumping between universes. <laughs> <laughs> None shall pass. <laughs> oh, brave so sphere. I have no quarrel with you. I am on a quest. Oh, no, your kneecaps pass. off. Come back here and I'll phaser your kneecaps off. <laughs> you yellow... <laughs> You yellow borgified! I can't say I can't bring myself to say it. Okay, so I guess that was our final thought. <laughs> that is our final. <laughs> it should be our final thoughts. Otherwise, I don't know if anybody can handle this. I'm sorry. You do such a great job, Jen. Thank you. It's it's fun to just uh, talk about all this creative, fun things that we're doing. Sure, appreciate all the writers and and the uh, master creative minds behind it all. Yes, thank you for helping us with the ready room. I just feel like the comedy has been kicked up a notch since you've joined. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what that means. That's okay, I, you know. It's all right. Yes, yeah, so everyone, thank you very much for all the work you're doing um, to contribute to the story and to help us um, make this. Because if there was no story, there would be no ready room. And even those... And if there was no ready room, there would be no story. Well, I guess there would be a story. Never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and thank you to um, uh, Billy Bob for reading 
uh, our posts. Even though he doesn't write, he does contribute, and he writes yeah. he writes the posts for and, us. And welcome back. Yes. We missed you, Billy Bob. That's just because we've had a shortage of writing. That's all. Mm-hmm. And also, Good to have our Canadian brother with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we won't don't start. Get, that. Don't, get me started. don't even go there. All right, should we wrap this up? <laughs> sure. Since it's around Christmas time, I say we wrap things up. I got the scotch tape. You got the paper. Let's wrap Let's this baby up. Okay. Now we. But here's the challenge. Here's the challenge, Rick. Pamela, uh, Pamela, Pamela, call recorder says we have. Wait, we're almost at 15 minutes, which is the. Um, okay. All right. The, ready? And, yeah. Ready. Okay. Okay, here we go. Hey, thanks for joining us for the Ready Room this week. We miss you, Kenny. Can't wait till you're back on the show. And this is Rick. And this is Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. almost. Okay, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. I want to try to cut it right to the uh, 15 minutes. (laughs) You want to hit the post, post, as they say in radio. Hailing frequencies closed. Hailing frequencies closed. I did it for you. All music on this podcast was performed by Rick Moyer or his royalty-free music. Also, I'd like to thank Metrano 7 for the introduction music.